0: People who keep journals have lived twice, says Jessamine West. And what if we journal three things that we're grateful about? Would that make our happy memories times three? Let's see. Welcome back to Startups 101 podcast, a podcast about startups, products, and entrepreneurs. This is Porush, your host. In today's episode, we'll be talking with Matt Candler, the founder of HappyFeed. So today we'll be talking about gratitude journaling. What is it? What are its benefits? What is the right time to do it? And we'll see how it helps an entrepreneur fight depression. So stay tuned and keep hustling. So
1: can you tell me something about HappyFeed? Sure. HappyFeed is a simple gratitude journaling app that makes it really easy to record and reflect on little moments of joy and gratitude in your life. It's been around since like 2013 and really grown over the years. It's just like a pretty fun journaling app in general, I think.
0: And how did you pivot? Like what all changes did you make? Now it's 2020, it's more than seven years. So what all changes did you do in the app?
1: Yeah, the first app was like a pretty simple kind of like crud app where you could just, you know, you could add moments. There were no photos, you couldn't delete or edit. Um, It was pretty bad. So then just over the years, it's gotten better. You know, I added bleeding, added photos, added editing, added an Android app. I think one of the biggest things is actually there's a throwback feature. So every starts out with like weeks and then months. And then if you've been using it as long as me, you'll see like four years ago. But it's kind of fun to see your moments because it's not just like on Facebook where it's some random thing you posted that you don't even care about. On Happy Feet, it's all positive stuff. So it's like, oh, it's like really happy thing happened four years ago. And it's like way more fun to look at, I think
0: yeah i think yeah definitely and that that the feeling of that nostalgia i think that is really what you know binds that people on the app so yeah. okay so uh, let's go to the next question so what's your current role at happy feed and how did you come up with this idea yeah, i'm
1: the i'm the founder of happy feed i also do all the design and development work uh, it's just me pretty much i'll bring on a friend every now and then but Really, it's pretty much just me doing everything. I came up with the idea, I was actually working on an event sharing startup with a friend after grad school and it was just not going well. It was like terrible, it was burning money. I was like using my credit cards to pay for everything. So I was like looking at all these blogs, trying to find like what's the, what are ways to just like be happier in general? And one of them was like gratitude journaling. So record three things a day that you're feeling grateful for and uh, it kind of helps you focus more on positive aspects in your life. So I started doing that myself and thought it'd be kind of a fun idea to build an app around it. I also wanted to just learn how to build iPhone apps. So it kind of Mm -hmm. all gelled really well. So what is gratitude journaling and how do you do that? So gratitude journaling is basically this practice of recording things that you're grateful for each day. Ideally, you kind of reflect on those things as well. So for example, you might say that you're really grateful for having supportive parents who are like always there to help you out. Maybe you talk to your parents on the phone that day. I don't know. Um, But then you have to really get the full effect out of it. It helps to reflect on that too. Like, why am I grateful for that? Like what aspects of this, what are the little details that really make this stand out? It's like any habit that makes,
0: that can have a positive effect on you. The more you put in, the more you get out. And how is it different from, you know, normal journaling that people do?
1: So normal journaling is, I, I guess, generally more freeform. There's so many different ways to journal. Some people draw pictures. Some people write like novels every day, practically. So I think in a way it's nice that graduate journaling can is a little more defined. It's, you know, for some people it's three things, sometimes just one or five, but it's always these moments of the positive kind of spin on them. So you say, what am I grateful for? And it's much easier than just what happened today in general. So I think having those bounds makes it a little
0: easier. So, what do you think are some benefits of gratitude journaling? Yeah,
1: so there's a there's a study in positive psychology. It's one main one that kind of found that they tested a few different different habits. One of them was gratitude journaling. One was I think sending like a thanks to friends, and there were a couple control tests as well. But they found that over time, gratitude journaling actually had a this number is a little off in the air, but I think 10 to 25% increase in your happiness. As you stick with it, Like that was the one they found to be most effective. But they also found that even just starting any kind of habit that you think is gonna make you happier generally has like, a little boost at first. So a lot of people will start doing gratitude journaling or happy feed. And are like, wow, I feel so good after one day. And it's like, that's just because like you're excited about starting a new habit. The real effects kind of kick in weeks later.
0: Okay, so is there a right time for gratitude journaling? Like, should I uh, document it at the end of the day or in the beginning of the day, keeping in mind the things that happened yesterday? Like, is there a perfect time for it? Yeah, generally I think that um, end of the day works best for me just because it's
1: easier to tie to like an existing habit. So I'll just do it like when I'm in bed, I'll have my iPhone right there and I'll just record everything, turn my phone off and go to sleep. So it's like, go to bed equals do gratitude journal. Uh, I know some people do it in the morning, so like brush your teeth, do your gratitude journal. It's kind of like when you're learning how to floss. It's like you don't just floss randomly in the afternoon. You floss yes. after you brush your teeth because it's it's much easier to remember to do it that way. Nighttime's the best because then it really is more of a reflection on the previous day. I think that's probably works best for the way I do it. Some people do more of a generic just like what are the general themes of gratitude in my life And I think actually that can be really effective in the morning because then you're kind of starting your day off on a good note. So it depends a little bit on just kind of how you're doing it. But if you're reflecting on your day, it's kind of hard to do that in the morning. So I think that works best at night. Yeah, that's the way I
0: do it usually. Okay, and how does one habitualize it? So we
1: make it easy using uh, in-app reminders. So every day, uh, the app will send you a reminder saying like, just a fun fact or random quote or something. (laughs) Actually write these every day, it's kind of fun. But I guess more specifically, I can mention like the flossing example. Um, there's a guy at Stanford, BJ Fogg. He's pretty well known for like behavioral psychology. Some of his suggestions, one of the big ones is like tying a new habit to an existing action. So like, you know, the, when you brush your teeth, floss your teeth, that's an easy one. Uh, the other ones are like keeping it really small. I think one of the reasons why Happy Feet is so easy is because it's just like, it's like a tweet size thing. It's not asking you to write a paragraph about your day, which I don't think anybody would do. I think percent of users might do that or something. So the fact that it's short and easy, pretty frictionless, having like little ways to reward yourself is actually a, a good way to learn a new habit. So I try to do stuff in the app, like a fun picture at the end of the day or something, but you could probably take it even farther yourself and find a way to like reward yourself in person, like have a piece of chocolate every time you do it might actually help
0: (laughs) so running a startup is tough do you think that gratitude journaling can help an entrepreneur reduce goal conflict and give him a better shot of achieving his goals one of the nice things about gratitude journaling is that it does help you focus on the bright side
1: and as you know i'm sure like entrepreneurship just kind of generally is very difficult and there's a lot of hard times and yes. the, the good times are few and far between. It's a, it's nice to be able to kind of find those little nice moments during the hard times and be able to say, like, okay, today was awful, but, you know, this little thing happened. I got a nice email from a user that's worth mm-hmm. remembering and, like, really reflecting on and being like, we're doing this for the users. You know, it's not just about making money. I think it helps give you a little perspective on that type of thing. And then the other big thing is that when there are positive moments, savoring those moments and, like, really thinking about them, really reflecting like, When you make your first dollar, it's like the best feeling in the world. And just like, just really take the time to think about every little component of it. So if you need to, you can kind of go back and think about that moment again. Remember like how good it can feel when you do actually have those wins. Because yeah, they're they're so
0: spread out sometimes. (laughs) So how do you think that uh, gratitude journaling helps one fight depression? Yeah, I think the hard thing is... It's always hard to do a habit like this
1: when you are feeling depressed because like, you don't want really to want to do anything. But it, similar to like the lows of entrepreneurship, there's always something good happening. Even if you're staying in bed all day and like really, really having a hard time, like you still have people in your life who care about you. You still have you know moments that you can reflect back on your life that were positive, positive. and by looking at those things, you can kind of convince yourself that more good things are going to happen and you know, sometimes the best thing to do is just get up and do something.
0: So what's the future of Happy Feed? Like, what are you planning next? Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes
1: I kind of say to myself that I want Happy Feed to be like the Google of journaling. Because I, I like the idea that, you know, right now it's just these positive moments. It's gratitude journaling. It's, you know, some people will come in, they're super religious. It's like a very niche audience in a way right now. But I like the idea that having just small journal entries um, with pictures and maybe tagging people eventually kind of gives you like this really good idea of your entire life. You know, someday 20 years from now, I'll still be using it. And it'll be like really interesting to be able to just go back 20 years and say, like these are the things I cared about. These are the things that made me happy. like These are the photos. These are like the five people I always mentioned. I think that's gonna be really compelling.
0: So just kind of building features that make that easier to achieve. And what's your monetization model here? Like how are you gonna earn money by creating Happy Paint?
1: So right now it's a subscription model, it's freemium. So most users are free users and then about uh, about 10 to 15% pay for a plus subscription. It's three bucks a month. Yeah, it gives them just like a bunch of features that they wouldn't otherwise get. So there's like a, a calendar that shows you all your moments on a map. You can kind of skip to any day easily. You can uh, print your moments from a year, as like a nice PDF, I actually just released that last Christmas and turned out really well. And a few other things like you can enter ten moments per day and go back more days if you miss one. But it's just like a power users will use it thing. Yeah, I want to avoid ads or like selling data. That's like just really <laughs> yeah. sketchy stuff when you're dealing with the journaling app. So I think a subscription model really aligns with the user as well.
0: Okay, and what are some key takeaways from running a business like Happy Feed? As an entrepreneur, what are the lessons that you have learned? Oh, so many, it's hard to pick some. Yeah, I think the biggest one is that relates like to Happy
1: Feed and like running it in general that I would say is uh, savoring happy moments when you have them. Like I mentioned making, making your first dollar, but I very, very distinctly remember I added the subscription model two summers ago. And I just like remember that first day that I got, I set it up so I get, a, I get a text every time someone signs up. I got this like little text with a little dollar emoji in it. And it's like, just the best feeling in the world. Yeah, I think <laughs> knowing that there are gonna be good moments, but there's, I mean, I've had months where just like all the charts are going down, daily active users are just like slowly draining away and just like having the resilience to get through those is, yeah, it helps to be working on an app that you know, literally makes people happy. So if you, <laughs> Like I get emails from people all the time being like, this
0: app makes me happy. It's,
1: it's pretty motivating. <laughs> so it
0: helps to have that, for sure. Like, What are the things that have worked for you? Like, Some specific market marketing tactic that has worked for you?
1: Yeah, um, most of Happy Feeds growth is through the App Store. Um, ASO has been really effective. Just getting the right keywords in, experimenting a little bit. I use App Annie um, mostly these days to kind of A-B test things a little bit. I don't pay for it, so... You know, I think you can get a lot more when you for these tools, but they're super expensive. So um, a lot of just like changing up the photos in the app store and just kind of hacking away at things. But yeah, it's actually word of mouth has been the biggest factor so far. Right now I'm doing more uh, blogging work. So I have like a small research blog, I call it. Um, there's like one article about what is a gratitude journal, how to form healthy habits. I'm working on one just that goes really in depth on the benefits of gratitude but those have been paying off slowly over time as the SEO kicks in. But right now, it's like mostly just building an app that has, you know, makes people happy, makes them like it, retains, and then even having little moments in the app that people can share. So like at the end of the day, it says, "Oh, like you just hit a week. You want to share this on Twitter?" And some people do. So that helps. It's not like a viral coefficient where things are exponentially growing right now, but. Hopefully, with the right tweaking, eventually, like, get a little more effect out of that.
0: So, like, I went through your LinkedIn, and I saw that you had master's from Stanford. So, like, uh, and that too in mechanical engineering. So, how did you come from mechanical engineering to that, uh, in the line of gratitude? Probably pretty non-traditional, I guess. Or maybe not. <laughs> I feel like startup people always come from weird
1: backgrounds. So, when I was in school, one of my really good friends was a computer science engineer. And... I was mostly focused on design within mechanical engineering, so more product design and a little bit of robotics, but I kind of miss robotics a little bit. But yeah, so we decided, maybe we saw the Facebook movie one summer, and like we just got really excited about building startups. Stanford, in general, is a super entrepreneurial place. Like There's so many classes yeah. you can take to learn how to do things. And I don't know, before that, I'd never really thought about starting a company. I thought like it'd be fun to be an inventor or something, but I didn't really know what any that was. I didn't know what a VC was. Um, but at Stanford, it's just like in the water. Like everybody's just always talking about it. So yeah, we just decided to do this like event sharing startup. It started out as like trip planning, which is a really common idea you see from people. <laughs> but I wouldn't suggest working on that. It's really hard. <laughs> but I was doing design work for that, and it was like web design. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like playing around in Photoshop and. Yeah, after working on that for like a year and a half, I did a little coding and then I took a job after that where I did a lot more coding. Now I mostly do coding. Yeah, Happy Feet helped. It was like how I learned how to do iPhone apps. But yeah, I kind of just stumbled through, I guess.
0: So what's your uh, advice to young entrepreneurs? How should they go about the companies? How should they go about their products?
1: I think for me, one of the big things, just like getting it out there. I don't know. Some people just, they think like the launch is this big deal. Like they want product time to go super well. They want to be number one. Like, I've launched three times, and last time I was the last one. I was still on the front page. I didn't, like, get in that little load more button. But it's still not going that well. But, like, you know, the app's making money. It's fun to work on. And if I hadn't put it out there super early, I don't think I'd have the motivation to keep going, like, Yes. even when it was really crappy app that didn't even have a delete button like you just entered a moment and it was just stuck there forever like if you put a typo in it was just like part of your life so uh, <laughs> even then like people used it and they'd email me and like ask how I could update it and stuff so i think especially in consumer there's always somebody who's going to want to use it and just getting it out there is super important like i think people just worry too much about the big launch these days and maybe if you're like a a d2c product like some really fancy item that like, yeah, the launch might matter on that because you're selling actual goods. But if it's software,
0: like get it so out you, there. That's, so you basically that's believe in that uh, Silicon Valley mantra of you know moving fast and bringing things. So do you yeah. think it works?
1: I think so. Um, I've pushed like so many versions of Happy Feed that were actually broken over the years, like literally very broken. Um, one where it actually would crash every time someone went to sign up for a subscription or even to learn about it. And I had little notifications everywhere making people go to that page. But people left bad comments and I just replied saying it was fixed and I was sorry. And they updated <laughs> their comments. It was actually a really good way to get five-star reviews then. <laughs> like just get a bunch of really bad reviews, fix it, and then they're all good ones. So yeah, usually it's not the end of the world. Like, it's, I'm not doing people's taxes or managing their money. It's generally good vibes. So I think if you're honest with people, they can be pretty excusing or yeah, pretty lax about mistakes like that.
0: So did you make any mistakes in your way? And what was your biggest mistake that you made? And how can our listeners learn from it? I think
1: my biggest mistake was probably like not prioritizing some things earlier. So like I said, the app was super simple for a very long time, but I spent years thinking like what was the best way to monetize this? Like should I use ads? Should I add subscriptions? and then I added subscriptions. They just worked. Like, I wish I had done that so much earlier. And I actually like things like optimizing for the app store. So basically, you know, that's a very specific example, but like looking at your app and figuring out how to grow it, um, early on, there's always a few like really good streams. So one for me, it was ASO, the app store, and then a little bit off web, but really the app store searching was the number one thing. So just like, depends on your app or product but finding out what is that number one like source of users and finding out like what are some really obvious things I can do because early on there's probably like a dozen things that you just haven't thought of so you could spend a day reading blogs and be like oh if I add this one tiny thing I can 2x my traffic and there oftentimes are things like that and I've I don't know, I've probably seen a dozen of them. It's like <laughs> optimizing the images or adding in localizations. Yeah, there's ways to add like an Android app when you don't have one just by using like maybe your web version. There's little hacks like that that can really have huge payoffs. And that's not stuff you can do like 20 years in. That's stuff you can only really do when you have a small product with a small user base. It's like really easy to grow quickly.
0: So are you working full-time on HappyFeed?
1: Uh, not yet. It's still kind of a side project. I do a lot of freelancing work on the side as well. So it's about half and half. I do mostly software development.
0: OK. And so, what's sort your of technology stack, like stack of tools that you
1: use? Yeah. So, um, Happy Feed, the app itself is native Swift. Uh, started out Objective-C. It's mostly ported over now. Uh, the Android app is React Native. It helps because I, for all my client work I do in my freelancing life, it's pretty much all react node and occasionally a rails backend but yeah and then happy feet is a there's a, the api is built in node as well
0: so how does your day look like for you like uh, working on side project like a side project like working on happy feet then working on your freelance work so how do you prioritize things and how do you go about managing your day can you please elaborate it to our users so they can draw some motivation so, from it
1: yeah uh, prioritizing is always like one of the hardest things. I think I find that I usually try to work on happy feet either early in the morning or late at night, just cause there's less distractions. And I'm not sure if it's true, or if I just heard this somewhere and convinced myself that it's true, but I think your brain is the freshest in the morning. So if you want to like write something interesting or work on a hard problem, like that's the best time to work on it. So if I have an interesting, like new feature for happy feet, or I want to write one of these like in-depth blog posts. The best time to do it is wake up early, go to a coffee shop, sit down for two hours, just kind of get it done. Then I'll go home, work on freelance stuff for maybe six six hours, have dinner, and then right back to happy feed. Yeah, maybe I'll do design work in the evening. But uh, one of the hard things is like figure out when to do certain features. Uh, I have a really it's not like the best. <laughs> I don't know if it's like the best way to do product management, but I just basically have a Apple Notes like the notes app, like the standard one you get, just like a checklist on there, like a giant checklist with a bunch of different, (laughs) like indented like five levels. So I try to, if I have a new project, I just make a ton of check marks because it's really satisfying to be like, oh, I I designed this little icon, I added this page, I did this (laughs) tiny little thing. But if you just put like, add a social aspect to your app as like a single to do, there's no way you're gonna get it done. Okay,
0: Um, Uh, so do you believe in checklist? Like, uh, is checklist uh, a great way to boost productivity? So do you believe in this ideology of getting things done?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I love checklists. Like, <laughs> they get me through everything. I used to write checklists on my hand through most of, like, college and high school. I don't know why. It's just, like, it was always on me. I think it was before we had phones. So if I had to get something done, I would just write it on my palm, and I would just walk around with, like, five or six to-do items. <laughs> <laughs> but now I use like the notes app. It's much more mature. <laughs> but yeah, I think just that little dopamine hit you get from checking off a to-do list yes. item is, it keeps me going. Yeah.
0: So how was Stanford like as an entrepreneur working in India? I, I would like really want to go to Stanford. Like that's the mecca of entrepreneurship. That was where you know great products came to life. Apple was based in there. So like, what what's it like uh, to be in Silicon Valley? To be in Stanford?
1: it's pretty like stanford's a pretty amazing place honestly it's i grew up in michigan middle middle of nowhere midwest united states i went to college out on the east coast and then i did grad school at stanford so that was my first time being in california the weather's beautiful it's just like palo alto in particular is just a sunny beautiful place where everyone bikes around campus it's like you go in there on your first week you get your bike everything's very exciting um and then yeah, like I mentioned earlier, entrepreneurship is a huge thing. Like everyone's just always talking about it. Everyone's has ideas for things to work on. The students are really smart. I was TAing a class, and I swear they all like thought I was an idiot. Like <laughs> they were all probably smarter than I was, which is weird because I'd always been like a really good student in high school and even um, undergrad. But then everyone at Stanford is just so smart that you go there with the idea of like. I'm not here to get straight A's. I'm here to learn stuff and have a good time, like make good connections. And I think when you go to school thinking that, you get a lot more out of it. It's not just competing with everyone else. It's like, these are awesome, smart people who are going to be doing interesting things. Earlier today, I was just remembering this really random thing. I was at a job fair once uh, right before I graduated and it was like all for startup jobs. And I actually met the founder of Instagram, Mike. He was like, it was him and somebody else at this booth I have. Uh, he didn't give me a business card. He gave me an Instagram logo sticker with Mike at Instagram on the back, and like I never got in touch with them because I I thought my idea was the best thing in the world at the time. But <laughs> it, it's just everything's so accessible. It's there's a lot of little stories like that. So, but
0: have you ever been
1: to India? I haven't. No, I have some friends who have gone. I've always wanted to check it out, but
0: so so when are you coming to India?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I need an excuse. So <laughs> I hear the crowds are just. Totally different there
0: yeah yeah definitely like uh, the environment is completely different we have a population of 1.4 billion people it's pretty overcrowded everywhere you go to college you go to streets it's pretty overcrowded yeah but it's uh, the vibe is completely different yeah the vibe is different Uh, if you see in the atmosphere it's about survival so you know survival is the main key here for every people so yeah that's uh, you know a a thing that I can uh, definitely share about that yeah so there's a difference in vibe if you go to uh, U.S., there's a vibe for prosperity, for growth. But here, it's all about the race, uh, the race of survival. Yeah, yeah. Is so it that, like more competitive so that, in that sense? Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty competitive. Like, uh, for every uh, single job interview, there are more than 100 candidates applying for that same job. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's pretty competitive. And uh, it also depends upon your field. So, I'm based in finance field, and it's pretty tough to get oh, yeah. a, uh, to land a job here uh, like it's 250 candidates per job in
1: here that's insane yeah it's one thing i like uh some of the smaller cities in the u.s like austin or boulder uh they tend to have these startup ecosystems where it's it's just a small place that it's all like if anyone does well they all do well like everyone they're all in it together i love that kind of feeling and that's i think it's hard to find these days like even san francisco is getting a little more competitive like everybody's chasing after the same VCs and pitching the same people and yeah, so maybe not as bad as 250 candidates for one job, that sounds so <laughs> <stressful. laughs> uh,
0: Do you believe that uh, valuations in Silicon Valley are uh, just uh, ridiculous, kind of ridiculous? What's your view on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always been, once you start valuating companies in the tens of billions or whatever, it's, I don't know, I'm not an expert on that stuff. I It just seems like the kind of thing doesn't seem sustainable. Um, But then even at a smaller level, you know, like I've been thinking about raising money and I'd probably try to raise it like a $5 million valuation or something. That's around the area I'm thinking, but that's crazy. That's, that's really high. Like, like six years ago, that would have seemed ridiculous. Like people would raise like a one to $3 million valuation. So I think it all comes down to like, is there money to follow on with that? Like, um, I like the idea of, you know, happy thing makes money now, it's I'm not really able to pay myself that much yet, but I'd like to be able to raise one round, get the profitability, and then decide from there. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are doing that now. Like there's the indie hacker movements and things like that. The idea of making like ten thousand bucks a month is is pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and have like total freedom over what you're doing. So.
0: <laughs> and like uh, this is one more thing that I wanted to ask, like uh, how do you, uh, you know, settle on one idea that uh, this is the idea that I'll be working on for next uh, couple of decades. So how do you settle on that? It definitely took me a long time to get there. Um, I remember I'd have
1: kind of moments of being like Happy Feet is the best idea ever. Like I'm going to do this for my whole life. And I'd be like, oh wait, no, wait. This is a journaling app that mostly like Midwestern women are using um, within their church groups. I was like, "Is that going to scale? Is that?" It's, it's so easy to doubt yourself, but I think at a certain point, I just like had put enough time into it, and it helps seeing other trends. So, I mean, if you look at meditation apps, for example. Um, those are doing awesome. Calm makes yeah. almost more money than anyone in the app store.
0: Yeah, so, it's a billion dollars uh, app. It's a unicorn.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Like I remember when that first came out, and it's like. I mean, even as someone working in wellness, I was just like, really, is meditation going to be this huge thing? It's just like watching videos on your phone that one guy recorded his own voice. It seems crazy. (laughs) Um, But I think seeing more wellness apps and stuff right now kind of helps me feel confident about this idea. And that I've just invested so much time in it. I would feel, I know I'd feel really bad if I looked back and didn't pursue it. So I think someone's going to do it. And I would just kick myself for my whole life if I look back and someone else did my idea after I gave up on it. So I think there's a certain importance to seeing something through all the way. And there's like a lot more to do still for Happy Feed. uh,
0: When do you think that your side hustle or your side project becomes a full-time gig? So I think for me,
1: it's B2C. So one of the biggest problems with doing consumer apps is just like you can't charge enough to really hit that, level of revenue to go full-time without having a ton of users. So I have about 10,000 daily actives right now. Um, it's Pretty close crazy. to, I make almost, or sorry, monthly actives, right? That's, us make sure I said that right. Um, and I make about 600 bucks a month. So, you know, it's paying for the servers. It's a little bit of money for advertising. It's, it feels good. Like the mark, the model is working decently, but like, there's a long road until I can go full time on that kind of money. So I think it makes sense to try to raise a small like angel round maybe. Um, and I'd like to do that sometime this year. But I think it's just hard to find the time to grow something without being full time. And yeah, just having a little initial cash, you don't have to wait until you're making enough revenue. Cause I could wait for years. And by the time that happens, someone else is going to have done this. So yeah, it's a tough call. It's really challenging. Sometimes I wish I was doing SaaS because you can just charge 80 people, hundred bucks a month and you're good. But yeah.
0: <laughs> so how do you motivate yourself on a daily basis? Like, so what's the root uh, behind this passion that I can see? Well,
1: that's tough. Um, I think on a daily basis, I'm just kind of a competitive person. <laughs> like I just have like a little bit of competition in me. Like I just want to do well at something and I want to see how big this can get. I want to, like, I want to see calm being like, Oh man, that that journaling app is doing way better than us. Like that's kind of motivating to me. Who knows if that'll ever happen. Um, but yeah, I, I think having that kind of deep rooted competitiveness helps. And then, you know, there's other little things. Like I get a lot of feedback from users and a lot of it's super positive. Every time someone like I had one user who had been using the app for like three years and she was switching over to Android. She was like, there's no Android app, what am I gonna do? So I was like, okay, I will build you an Android app. Like, <laughs> so every time I was like working on that, and it, it was like not easy to build a new app. So every time I like wouldn't want to work on that, I'd just be like, okay, well, this one woman has like really supported Happy Feed. I need to do this for her. And again, it's actually pretty motivating. So it helps to have the real users for sure.
0: What's your secret for dopamine? Like, how do you, you know, get that infusion, like, on daily basis? So I have two apps on my phone that
1: I am more addicted to than Twitter. It's terrible. One of them is Google Analytics Dashboard. (laughs) And I I swear, I look at that way too often. Just to refresh, seeing where traffic's coming from, seeing how well it's converting. uh, It's crazy addictive. And then the other one, I use Mixpanel for tracking. And... I just, I built this little dashboard in, in their old mobile app. I don't think they even, you can't even get it anymore, but um, one's for like signups. And then I have one for like every, I, I track pretty much every metric. So like people have signed up for this new pods feature, people who have shared their day and like every now and then it's just like, I'll get like a hundred downloads during this one hour. So it's, it's kind of like scrolling through your feed and like waiting for something really interesting. I just like refresh that app and then every now and then something really interesting is happening and it's such a dopamine <laughs> hit. It's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. I need not like believe the apps. I think it's, <laughs> I'm like hanging out with my girlfriend and looking at the like growth graphs of Happy Feed. It's <laughs> pretty bad.
0: <laughs> so guys, that was it for the episode. You can download Happy Feed on Google Play and App Store. Do give it a try, and when you share your experience online, do tag us along with it. Hope you like it, and Matt, it was an honor to have you as my guest. In the next episode, we will be talking to Sway Soo from Food Fraser, and we will see how did they scale up a food tech SaaS product in Singapore.